Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at Burrow.com slash ACAST. That's Burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome along. Uh, for those of you that we had a standard time delay to 8.15 tonight, um, a few things happening behind the scenes. Uh, for anybody that tuned in at 8.15 and wondering where we were, we was here and we was chatting away and we was broadcasting before we realised that... <laughs> Somebody, and we won't mention no names, forgot to push the uh, go live broadcast button. So um, thankfully we didn't get too far in. We didn't reveal any big major secrets to the show, but um, we are now broadcasting live. It's good to have you along. Uh, if you've got anything to say, please do pop it in the comments, have a chat with us. Uh, no Hannah today, unfortunately. She's been off on her uh, some training course with her work. So I am joined by Lewis. Lewis Wood, how are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. I'm still good as I was five minutes ago last time. Yeah, right. We've done this bit. It feels a little bit deja vu, right? Hannah, Hannah, not here, and everything just falls to pieces, mate. Um, no, I'm doing really well. I was, I was saying beforehand, it's, I used to write for Five Yards, and yep. I've been on the show a couple of times when it was Liam and Rich, and so it's really nice to be able to come back on the show. It's awesome. As I said to you previously, Liam and Rich have left a hell of a, a job to a baton to pass on to try and keep this going. So we and Hannah. Are, have our ideas and we come down slightly differently as things go through and you know we're still in the early days so we'll see how things progress but uh we're saying we're both excited about super glad to have you along as you say you did used to write for five yard um we did a bit for king fantasy sports as well i believe what you know yeah absolutely so i still do write for king fantasy sports um another fantastic site based on the uk are, um yes. i have been taking a little bit of a break from content creation over the last year or so just focusing on my day job um but hoping to get back into it coming on into this nfl season and especially the off season uh where there's this is dynasty content season um day jobs are a bummer right like, <laughs> i know if only we were in the u.s who needs people, a- people get paid for this full time yeah, who needs a day job when we could be doing this instead? Come on, people. <laughs> we could just be Tom Strachan, who I think has five screens on his setup, and one of them is devoted to this. That works too, I guess. But yeah, we don't all have that desk set up, do we, Tom? <laughs> so, but yeah, no, Lewis is super pumped to have you along. Um, we're super pleased. I know you have took a bit of a step back recently, but what you've done previously has been some fantastic stuff. Um, and what we're going to look at today is kind of draft strategies and startups. So it's still pretty relevant. It's not something that changes over it does change over time i guess and we'll get into that but um the fundamentals are predominantly still the same especially in the dynasty as opposed to a redraft setup so uh looking forward to it are you in many startups yourself this year currently i am in one about to start i yep. have done i think four this off season but uh because i knew i could yeah yeah i i did a couple pre-draft and a couple post-draft i ran <laughs> i think three and then was part of another one um, wow. I, I, yeah, I knew I had capacity for some and, uh, there was a lot of time to kill. So <laughs> especially when you commission leagues, it's very yes. easy to go, oh, I want another startup. Okay. I've created another startup. There you go. 
I found the problem with commission leagues for me is making them all different. I love the variety and difference in leagues. And you'll sit there and you'll, I listen to um, Scott Fisher's commission pod, yeah, uh, which is fantastic. And he comes up with so many people message in and so many different twists and unique ideas and stories and scoring and how this can work and that can work. I said, that'd be awesome to try and do that. And I try and replicate it. You know, I looked at a, a capitalist pig styles type league and things like yeah. that. that. I was trying to get going and yeah, I love it, but everything I want to play in, the easiest way to do is go and find other people that want to play in it and commission it yourself rather than yeah. doing anything else. So, I, um, so I've sort of twigged on the format that I most prefer to, to play in and to commission. And my thinking is like other people, if I want to, so I'm about to start my first ever, um, salary cap league contract yep. league uh commissioned yep. by by rich um and i'm incredibly excited about that but i could never commission it so i've is that rich cooling by any chance it is indeed it is indeed i wonder where he got um, the rules for that league from rich <laughs> so me um, and rich are in a salary league which was run by um Matt the Cullen. face of twitter Matt Cullen. yeah i loved it and enjoyed it so much i took the rules and decided to run one for other people to partake in Somebody from that has now run another one, and now Rich has now subsequently run another one. So if you're in a yeah. salary league with anybody around that circle, we're probably all using Matt Collins' rules. So um, <laughs> yeah, I'm in two and commission one of them. So if you need any tips, Lewis, heading into it, give us a shout, and I'll let you know. Yes, please, <laughs> I am terror. Like I know startups so well, and I'm so terrified about this one because I just have no idea. Putting in your blind bids first of all, looking at the first yeah. ten players, and I'm like, I don't know whether whether half my budget, a quarter of my budget, like I don't, I've no idea as well. I've never even done an auction startup before. So going from auction okay. all the way, to, from not doing auction all the way to contract and salary cap auction is a, it's a so, slight. For me, salary cap auction is one of the best formats of this game. It, it's involved and it takes work, but I love that about it. It's another wrinkle yeah. to the strategy, strategy of what goes on. Um, I have said I'd only love to play in these and all that lot, but Physically, it's just not viable to do. Um, I am looking for a serious cash one, which if there isn't one floating about, I'll probably end up starting one. Um, but that then becomes hard to partake in it because of the blind bid yeah, and the cash element behind it. Um, but no, I mean, in one of the scenarios we've seen, we've seen we've got a £200 million cap level and somebody spent £98 million in four players in day one. Yep. Whatever million roster size of 18, they're done. They're in, they're in trouble already. So it is... We'll talk in a minute, I guess, about your draft strategy before going into it and having a plan and how that looks. It is never more important than going into an auction draft uh, yeah. to have that plan and the pre-work done. So, yeah, yeah you'll, in, you'll enjoy that if you've never done one before. So I'm looking forward to it, man. It should be good fun. So talk to us about a normal draft. Let's go. Sleeper, super flex, playing premium, give or take. Um, how do, would you normally prepare for a startup draft? What's your kind of go-to? Do you aim to go into it with a specific strategy? Do you develop it as it goes on? What's your idea? I I think the smartest thing is to let the draft come to you a little bit. And a lot of it depends on when you're going to end up picking. Um, because if you go into something knowing you're picking at, say, the nine, where you think, okay, okay I'm just out of a range of either Justin Jefferson or one of the, the currently viewed as pretty pretty much in the meta like the top eight quarterbacks um yep. then you might want to start strategizing there about moving up or moving down or whatever you might want to do um i don't tend to i tend to let the draft come in to, come to me so i don't tend to go into it before anything started saying okay i know i want to go out and get this i know i want to build yep. this type of team um the other thing and this is something which is, i think is going to come up a lot across the course of the show is I have realized, especially in the startups that I've done uh, this off-season, that I essentially build the same team every single time. And You do have that. I get yeah. that late-round rounds. I have my late-round guys that I like. And I pick them up. It's, it's not even a case of like the similar guys. It's a case of like when I look round by round... It, it's the team is built and drafted in okay. the same way, and it's and it's less intentional. So it's where you're your like, okay, this is where I like your to comfort take players. And, yeah. yeah. We all have an, an aversion or an increase to, to risk, right? So that's just where yeah. you plan and level that out. So, so what would that look like typically? So generally, um, so to start with, for context, I have never drafted earlier than the seventh spot. 
and I okay. don't know why that don't know why that is. I think <laughs> I might be cursed. I in my leagues, I run the startup order a little bit differently. So what I do is I ask my mum, Suzanne Word, shout out, uh, to uh, come up with a European city. She doesn't tell me about it. Everyone yeah. in the league has to guess a European city, and the draft order is decided is decided by uh, how long it would take to drive to the one that my mum has chosen. Um, okay. So it's just like a slightly more fun and more fun involved way than just what, from from people. their city from their to city to my mum's city. Um, okay, closest, so kind of a uh, closest to the ball type. Yeah, closest gets the number one spot and and so on. I don't I know if maybe idea. I've not heard that idea. It's just it's just a, a slightly different way than doing you know just click randomizer or do um, the hundred yeah. yard dash or whatever. My um, home league, I put up a a marble run. Yeah. I found a marble run video on YouTube with 12 marbles. Everybody picked whoever they want. That was on a first come, first serve. I took yeah. whichever one was left at the end. Uh, and we posted the video. And the finishing yeah. order for that was the order it went in. And that was... Yeah. Oh, cracking. I found like a 12-minute video. It went on forever. But marbles were falling out. <laughs> the race coming in again. It was it was absurd. It was up and down. and It, it was different. Everyone it, sat and watched this video and was cheering on their little ball rolling yeah. down this little sand hill. Well, I've got I've got like a little group of people who've been in a few leagues of mine who like now like say hi to my mum each time because they, yeah, my yeah. Mom, my mum has no idea what she's doing when she sends me <laughs> these videos. She's she's that would be going, funnier, I right? I don't know what this is for, but I, I'm happy to do it. Um, but yeah, so so I I don't know if I'm out of sync with my mum's ideas in European cities, but I always end up picking towards the end. So okay. the way things generally tend to look is I will normally take. Just I quickly, will. I'm going to stop you there. Before we get onto that now, I know I've asked you, have you ever done a Kentucky Derby-style draft order startup? I haven't, no. What's that? So that's where you would do your order, like you would do with any normal format, randomizer, 100-yard dash, marble run, European series, whatever. The order that they finish in, that person then gets to pick their slot in that order. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I have done a few things there. So in your instance, the person nearest to the city would pick what slot they want. And yeah. go from there that way. So, so that's always good fun as well because it adds another level of um, kind of strategy to the to the startup and, and people feel yeah. a little bit in control. But it's just a way yeah, of doing yeah, it. Anyway, it's... you're going to tell us about your atypical draft. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the way it generally tends to look is I'll normally be picking towards the turn. I don't know why that is. I just normally tend to yep. be. Um, yep. So it normally starts with uh, on the one two turn one of the top wide receivers and one of that second tier of quarterbacks. Um, so if I have missed out on, you know, that that top eight, the bottom of the top eight is normally Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. Yeah. Um, maybe I've managed to snag one of them from drafting from like the eight spot. Um, if I haven't, then fine. Uh, then I'll take, you know, Jamar Chase or AJ Brown, who's my uh, wide receiver three. Um, CD Lamb as well, you know, in the, in the same tier there. It'll be one of the next tier of quarterbacks and one of the top tier of wide receivers after Justin Jefferson. Um, so your instant, if I can get the Dak Lamb stack, then immediately, brilliant. Yep. Um, round three almost always tends is uh, T Higgins or Garrett Wilson. Um, okay. Always. It's always, yep. you know, throw another young wide receiver in there. Yep. Um, round four, is always one of that older tier of wide receivers that we know is going to be amazing this year. We're not sure how much longer. So Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs. Um, Round five and round six is it depends on whether I can start that quarterback rush or whether I'm finishing the quarterback rush. Yeah, yeah. Either it tends to be Kirk Cousins or Kenny Pickett, but it depends on whether I'm at the beginning or the end. Uh, yeah. If I'm at the end, then it might be like a, um, a Matt Stafford type or Rogers or, or someone like that. And then it will be my RB1 as well. Um, so I'm taking quarterback, wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, and then my second quarterback and my RB1, which normally tends to be J.K. Dobbins, um, yeah. someone around that kind of tier, around that kind of mark. Um after that, things, you know, it then tends to be off value. But that is the way that I have found this offseason. I just love starting drafts that way. And sometimes I'll, I haven't yet gone into a draft particularly to be like, let's do something completely different. But without even trying, like, that's just the way that I draft every single time. Okay. That's funny. You're a creature of habit. 
Anybody <laughs> drafting with Lewis Woods anytime in the future has now just literally got his plan because it doesn't vary. So you're not, you don't pivot off it a lot. You're, you're pretty regimented. And I get you say late five, early six, or things like that may fluctuate, yeah. give or take. But predominantly, four rounds, you're going QB and three receivers. Yeah. And then looking off the back of that, there's yeah. no variation to it. There will be sometimes if a player falls to me at an absolute value. So I ended up taking Kenny Walker in a startup recently okay. because he fell to the back of the fourth round. And yeah, nice. also a lot of it because I because I have my own tier. I mean, use a lot of um, Dynasty Island, a lot of Rich's tiers as well, but yep. I have my own way of, of tiering. So a lot of it will be based off that, that I will move back. But if there's no one left in that tier, then I'm happy to take someone else in the same tier at a different position. Yep. So I will flex as and when, but generally it's, you know, starting off with an elite quarterback or a quarterback in that kind of great to elite tier. Um, and then two elite young wide receivers and one of that group who you think could finish as the wide receiver one for the next two years and then retire. Um, it makes me, it just makes me so happy looking at that wide receiver core of those three. Yeah. Um going forward and then after that like i think because running back is so easy to i mean first of all they're the position that can so easily just lose any form of fancy relevancy um yeah. but so i'm happy to kind of punt them later on and figure yeah. it out later on i think so anybody that's listened to me on with murph on a, on the redraft type show i've predominantly been running back heavy first round possibly a qb second but it's not adverse to go running back running back or and things like that. When it comes to Dynasty, a totally different outlook. Yeah. If I'm early in the draft and I can get one of those top five QBs for me in a tier, I'm nabbing one of them, even if one of them falls or whatever. If I'm back end, I'm going receiver first round. I'm not even, as you mentioned, looking at the fields or Lawrence. Lawrence are probably would, yeah. but um, I'd be taking a receiver. Um, and I'm quite happy, like you, to go three or four receivers straight out the gate. Uh, and I'll pick up a couple of QBs that would do me for the time. I'll pick up a Derek Carr somewhere yep. down in, in the sixth or seventh round, something like that, and and a Matt Stafford. And and then what I'll do later on is I'll pick up a, a Sam Howe or someone that has a chance yep. to, to develop, or a Carl Trask in this instance that may work out, or as my third QB. Um, yeah. I'm quite happy in the knowledge that if I've got a solid basis of wide receivers, so many times we look at it in Superflex, we go, well, I've got to have two QBs. Look at the scoring. Look at the format. Do you need to? What is the points differential between a top-end wide receiver in that first or second round um, or the difference in a quarterback being in that position for one week, effectively? Yeah. That's all you need. Last season, I lost in a semi-final matchup because I had had only my Superflex spot left to go. And I had Baker, who obviously was starting for my Rams at that point, and I had Cam Akers. And everything in my head was going, Baker Mayfield was not going to throw for two touchdowns. Like, that's just not going to happen. Cam Akers is the play here. But I just could, I couldn't not start a quarterback in the Superflex. And I started Baker Mayfield. And if I'd started Cam Akers, I would have gone through to the final. And obviously, you sit there afterwards going, if I'd gone through to the final, I would have picked this lineup and I would have won the title, which probably wouldn't have happened. But you know your super flex spot depending on how you go like in in season doesn't always need to be a quarterback and so many times players will just put qbs in the super flex spot unless they have a choice because it's what they believe they need to do super flex isn't a two qb league look at your scoring look at the points differential yes i'm sure a qb could potentially score more but if you've got more consistency somewhere if you're projected to win a matchup comfortably take the safe play if you're projected to lose it and need a gamble Take the QB that could put up three or four touchdowns. It's yeah. yeah, Superflex, I'm not afraid to put other players other than QBs in there. And I think that does impact my startup on Dynasty approach quite a lot. Um, because it's like I don't care if I end up with a Derek Carr, um yeah. a Kirk Cousins down the line. Someone that would do me for two, three years. I play in I play Dynasty in three year intervals is effectively how I look at it. Yeah. Um Derek Carr's going to do me for three years. Aaron Rodgers will probably do me for two. Kirk Cousins will probably do me for two, realistically, maybe one and a half. Yeah. Um, 
but then I've got the hopeful Sam Howe, Carl Trask type player that yep. that may develop, that may see game time. And if not, we can trade in Dynasty. That's the fun of it all. We have rookie drafts and we can trade, right? Yeah, so, absolutely. And, I mean, do you and, do a lot of trading in startups fundamentally? I have a bit of a reputation um, for going a bit mad. So, Oh, you're one of those. Yeah, there have been multiple startups where I've been with, it's got to like the 10th, 11th round, and there's been a trade that I've seen, and I've been like, that's the first trade that hasn't involved me so far. Yeah. Um, I feel pretty confident on my ability to to tell value um, yeah. in a trade. Also, because I uh, go based off tiers, I have no problem with moving back a few spots where I yeah. can see that I'm going to get someone in the same tier. Like, yeah, yeah. dropping from, you know, I can't think of a great example, but like dropping from Chris Alave to Amon Ra That's might be, you know, dropping one spot in my rankings. Um, I don't have my rankings open. I don't know if that's actually true, but <laughs> um, everybody, but it, please it, comment at Lewis Wood. But like, if it's staying within the same tier and I'm picking up value elsewhere, um, also I like looking at kind of the estimation on what the players would be to help me figure out whether or not something's worth it. And so I have no problem really moving around a lot. I think that, as you say, like we can trade. And if you can trade an asset, you should be exploring that asset. I think one thing I find really frustrating is when you get, you know, you'll be drafting at like the second pick of the fifth round or some, something. You'll pick someone and the guy who is at the 510 will go, oh, I wanted him. And you were like, well, if you really, if like, if you really wanted that player, and specifically go that player and no one else, you can go and get him. And I've been known before to draft a player. Someone messages saying, oh, "I've just been sniped. I really wanted him." And I'll message him, like, "How much do you want him?" Like, yep. I, I owned. Uh, I do. You know, I think it actually was Amon Ra, and I think I traded back and still took T Higgins in a nice. startup for about five minutes. Because I drafted him, someone messaged yeah. saying, oh, I was desperate for Amon Ra to make it to me. And a message going, he still can. Like, yeah. And you pick up more value. And because I'm because I'm drafting based off tiers, I know that like it doesn't matter to me. If if I'm drafting and there's and someone offers me a move back three slots and there's still four players that I want, yeah. fine, fine. I can do it yeah. and it doesn't make any difference. Um in the same way, I know that. If I only have, if I really want the last of a certain tier of position, I'm happy to go up and get it. Yeah, if um, that gap differential is huge for you, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I get that. Like, I'm not, I'm not particularly predisposed to either strategy. Really, I'm, I'm not like a completely hardline. I only trade back in startups, which you'll get a lot yeah, of people that will say, I you do. know, I've, yeah. I've, I don't, I never trade up. I only trade back. And I'm not someone that's always going to trade up either. Like it's really based off the situation that you find yourself in. Fine. And obviously with dynasty startups different to redraft is you have the option of future assets. These draft picks that we get given for the years to come. Do these factor into your trades much? What's your approach with those during a startup? (laughs) I don't think I will ever trade away a future first. Okay. No, nah, that's probably not true. I think just because, so I don't like, and I don't think people should hmm. try and guess where a first is going to be like a year in advance. Like it doesn't matter if you think you've yep. put together an absolute dynamite team, you have no idea who's going to, you know, end up injured, end up like in prison. Like you've no idea what's going to happen. So you can't. This is the NFL, right? Draft. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Even, even if you look at the amazing team you've drafted. The the only situation in which I would is if, like, say if someone absolutely dropped and you're sitting, you're trying to move up, someone said they'll move the pick for a first, and you're like, okay, Cooper Cup's there, I'd pay a 24 first for Cooper Cup so I can do that. I've done that, and I do that quite yeah. often. Because for me, you will get the most value return on those future picks during a startup. Yeah. So many people play Dynasty and go, future assets, future assets, I can build on it, build on it. Predominantly during a startup, you're drafting to win. It's a redraft that year. Yep. The dynasty becomes in down the line for me. So I'm going to draft to win. So I may start a draft with back end of the first Jamar Chase. I can turn the corner and I can pick up, I don't know, Tyreek Hill. I can get to the third round. And for my first round rookie pick, which may well be a back end rookie pick, which may have about a 50% chance of success rate, I can go and get Cooper Cup. I can go and get 
Stefan Diggs. Yeah. And I'm now sat there with Jamar Chase, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, or AJ Brown. Yeah. And you're like, Combined. oh, cool. I'm winning season one then. Like, <laughs> well, 2024 first, the likelihood of that being Stefan Diggs? Yeah. Pretty slim. Pretty slim in my Yeah, eyes. absolutely. So, a, a, big, a big thing for me is I think people really overvalue second round picks. And I I'm, I have actually had, and obviously we're in the middle of a well, sort of past rookie draft season now yep. generally, but um, I was amazed when I looked through the amount of leagues that I had my first or maybe a couple of firsts and then absolutely nothing. And it's okay. because a second or a third is not going to hit. Like you might, you might. And we I all think, think a second's about might. a 28% chance of being yeah, a productive player. It's not going to, to be honest. Like, and I think people yeah. really overvalue. So, like, if I'm, if I can spend a second to go up, you know, a yeah. round or so, then yeah, definitely. And in the same yeah. way, like later on, I actually, and I found this, I, I found this quite silly at the time, in a in a startup where we were drafting rookie picks, sent, right, yeah. sent a twenty four second to someone to just straight up acquire a pick. So I wasn't moving up, I was just acquiring a pick that I then used to select the 2023-203. So okay. I was like, so you're sending your... So you gave away a 24 seconds for the 203. For 203 this year. And like this class aside, obviously... So there's a 9 out of 12 chance that it's worse off. And it's and it's a year away. Like, <laughs> Yeah. Without it the didn't really make yeah. any sense to me. So like... It, with anything, like if you can find the value that you'd be happy trading it for the player that's there, um, then I'm perfectly happy to do it. And if I can, you know, if like you say, if you're if you can send a first straight up for a for a player that you know you'd be happy to send the first for anyway, then yeah, I'm yeah. doing it definitely. Yeah, me too. That 24 first, 50 percent chance. I'll, yeah. I'll take the gamble. So, um, so we've had a look at how you build a team in terms of positionally. How about the youth and experience? I know you've said if cups there are value and things like that. And maybe you don't go into it with a plan. But if you're looking at two players, are you favouring the youth player or are you favouring the experience? Or where do you sit on that? I think it depends at what point in the draft you are. So I think after a few picks, your team is starting to take shape. And I think it's it's then when you get people quite naively that you're like, okay, if I've started off with three really young players that I know probably aren't going to be elite this year, but might be elite, well, then drafting Keenan Allen doesn't really make much sense because he doesn't fit in with the window of the team. Yep. If I have started to draft a more win-now team, I've no issue with kind of going all in on that, although I think it's risky to an extent. Um, but I think you you have to then look at how my team is being built. The crucial thing to me is that I... In a lot of places, especially after kind of the fifth, sixth round, when I've stopped actively wanting players and now it's yeah. just about accumulating value for me. So if it is the case that, you know, take Keenan Allen uh, is on the board, he's quite a good example here. I'll happily take him even if it doesn't fit into my pipeline, uh, into, into the timeline of my team, yeah. because I know that I can probably get a better asset for him than is available on the board right now. Um, I don't, I think. As we were saying with other stuff before, like on my T. Higgins thing, like I don't think you should see a startup draft as I am building my team right now. Like you're building a collection of assets and a portfolio that you can move immediately right. later down the line, whatever. Um, and it's it's that that then happens that you end up with Derek Henry going in like the eighth round because people are like, oh, but he's old. I'm not sure. And then we'll get in oh, season and people will be taking late firsts for him. Like, yeah. You, you need to realize that vets value is at an absolute low right now and rookies value uh, less so this year, but young players value is at an absolute high when we imagine what could be. Um, yep. So I'm perfectly happy taking the older players if I know that they're going to produce for me in season. Um, and yep. if worse comes to the worst and my team busts and it looks like I'm uh, trying to tank out the year, I will be able to get more value for those players um, than I would the young players because if they haven't worked out, I'm probably not going to get a huge amount for them. Um, so actually loading up on bets is, is there's never really a huge problem with it. Um, yeah, see, this is where Dynasty for me becomes hard work and I like the hard work, which is why I love the game. I will draft to win now, as I said. I will give up future stuff to acquire assets that are win now, early on in the startup. 
Derek Henry forced me in the eighth, I'm taking that all day long because he's going to be a crucial part of me winning the championship. And that is ultimately why we're playing this game, is to win. Yep. I don't care about it. I've said on the redraft show with Murph that give me the known quantity over the unknown quantity. All day, every day in a month of Sundays. Right? Yep. Um, so if I'm sat on the clock and there's a rookie and a non-rookie, Brees Hall was going in the first round in some startups yesterday, uh, last year, sorry. I'm sure Bijan's probably going late first, early second now, even with this strategy. So yep. um, I won't be taking him at that because he may well be worth it. But you know what? I'll get Derek Henry in the eighth. I'll worry about it for a year or two and I'll find something down the line that can, can yeah. fit the void. Uh, so you said it's quite risky. It is risky because I can get to my three-year window and I can get 18 months into my three-year window and my roster is obliterated and needs work. Fine. Yeah. I love it. The key is then to try and identify when to move on from these guys, when to diversify, when to trade, pick up rookies, yeah. transfer. Uh, and that for me is the fun part of this. So I'll try and win. And I... Very rarely you hear the phrases rebuild, retool, all of that. Like, I very rarely burn a roster to the ground for full picks. I will literally yeah. try and retool, retool, retool. What can I move yeah. for him and him? Derek Henry, if he starts performing, but I've been hit by injuries at my QB and I'm not going to win the league, Derek Henry for a second will probably get me a solid younger starting back. Yeah. And I'll to a contending team. And I'll take that at yeah. that time where it becomes vital to him. Not the team in first or second. I'll be targeting the team in third or fourth that actually needs that little kit uh, that Derek Henry can actually make the difference to. Them. Yeah, um, and that's what I like doing. I move on from when I need to move on from them. Yeah, and I think I think sometimes it's just about having the confidence in your own ability as a dynasty manager to know that like I can take these players and I can take the risk because if it does flame out. I'm good enough to be able to retool it and still make it work. Like I'm not going to be looking down the line in a few years and going, this roster doesn't have a single starting player on it. Why am I burning this 20 quid every single year on this on this rubbish team? Like I've had a team this offseason that I went very all in on mid-season and didn't end up winning the title. Yep. Uh, and, and I think went out in the semi-finals and I've spent this offseason that I'm like, okay, my running backs are getting old. Um I need to, I, I'm not going to be able to shift them. Like, I'm just not going to be able to. So I need to retool this team to get some younger running backs to open up that window again. Because, yeah, I think, like, the running back core is, like, or at the start of the summer, uh, at the start, at the start of the offseason was Henry, Kamara, Mixon, David Montgomery. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, do you know what? That might be enough for this year, but I don't want it going forward. So, okay, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get, some young running backs that are going to compete for this year and have turned, have managed to get Javante Williams and Jameer Gibbs going forward. So I'm like, okay, okay. I'm good enough that I can go out and retool it. Even if it doesn't yeah. pay off and it's not paid off immediately, I'll be able to make it work. I'd also don't be scared of an asset retiring on you. Now an asset retiring on your roster is you aren't going to get a zero return for it. And I guess in the long and short of it, people try and buy and trade and I guess that's a, a real negative getting zero return on investment yeah. for me the return is the fact that he's contributed to the roster in the meantime yeah. like, I'm a Bucks fan as everyone listening probably knows apart from that I have had so much Tom Brady over the last three or four years because his value where he was going because of his age was absolutely phenomenal for the level of return I got from him yeah. I got to the stage where he retired the first time and I went out and bought him everywhere I could yeah I, Ali Cooper from um, Dynasty Rewind, guys. Um, I paid him a fourth-round pick in one for, for Tom Brady. Um, and I got another year out of him that was feasible. That would do for a fourth-round pick. Ali, what are you doing, man? It's no good. I know. <laughs> it was literally the day after. He couldn't believe it even. I'm never going to get it either. But um, that, was, that was fun. So, um, But like now, this year, I'm looking at if I've got a contending team that's a player or two short, the news this week hasn't helped me a little bit. But I've been out buying... DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. DeAndre Hopkins will be an early wide receiver too. Yeah. In and terms his, of his, his return. His floor is what? Wide receiver 15 if he's healthy? Yeah. Early wide like, receiver too. Yeah. I, I, so I've been doing this and a similar situation as a Rams fan. Like I've been going out and buying Matt Stafford places because I think, yep. do you know but, what? Yeah. He's probably going to retire on my team. But if he's my QB3, Fine, I'm fine with that. And it's the same thing with Derek Henry and Kamara Mixon actually on that team that I'm like, I'm not even trying to sell them because I'm not willing to go out and sell 
for what I'm going to get in return. And you know what? Yeah. The people are right for what they're going to offer me in return. Yeah. I'd rather just ride them and yeah, me too. Let, and, and see what happens. And if they win me a championship, then they can retire off into the sunset and I don't care. This year, I've got a fair bit of Miles Sanders, Adam Thielen, people like that. Well, nobody wants them. They're not glamorous, glorious names. You can't sell them anything that's likely to become productive on your roster. Yeah. I guess you've missed your window, if you will, on that. Keep them. I'm pretty sure they're going to be decent flex plays. They're each going to have their weeks during it. They're very good professional players. They're very fantasy okay. Um, and hey, if you're not performing and there's someone there and they get hit by a running back injuries left, right and centre and you can shift Miles Sanders for a second, yeah, then you get your return back. If you don't, I don't see the harm in it, personally. I really don't. Um, trying to... If you're selling, if this whole buy low, sell high type ethos is there, you're effectively selling your players at their best because their their sell high is their best possible return. So yeah. why are you selling your players when they're in their peak return window? That it's, makes it, zero sense. It's the people that play Dynasty like stocks that I'm like, I can understand why you look at it like the stock market, but yeah. at the same time, these are the people that go, I'm going to have an elite roster for 10 years. Oh, I've never won a title. Like, yep. and you're like, well, that's not. They've got six first round picks you... in 2026 lined up. Yeah, of but... which two of them will probably become relevant for more than five years. Yeah, exactly. But they, but they've never finished in the playoffs. And I'm like, why? What? How, why is this fun for you? Like, what are you playing for? Also, yeah. thank you for giving me your money every single year. <laughs> yeah, I think this is a lot where my I love the dynasty and I love the the strategy and the format. But I think my origins in in fantasy came in redraft like many people yeah. do but i've still kept a lot of my redraft competitive state of mind to it so yeah. i'm looking at winning how can i win okay that season's over what do i need to do to make this roster a winnable roster next year and, yeah. and in the off season that's what i'm looking at doing is how can i make it compete again and as i say as a result i very rarely burn things to the ground because if i've got a an Eamon Ross and Brown and a Chris Alave now, which I have got one of my sort of retooling teams. I'm not going to sell them. They're going to be good for five, six, seven years on that roster. I'll keep them there and I'll work out the pieces around them. I'm not going to sell yeah. them for a first and a second. A first and a second, even if the first hit is only going to equal them, the second probably isn't going to hit. I'm no better off than I was previously. Yeah. Even so, even if strictly speaking, you might have drafted uh, Alan Ra in the second round, so selling him for a first is like making money on your investment. You're correct, like, no, yeah. I'd rather just have them on my team. Yeah, exactly. And then it's one less piece I've got to try and find down the line. Yeah, because that position set. Um, and I do the same with quarterbacks, quarterbacks, and wide receivers. If I can lock in a high value asset early on that will be good for years to come, Josh Allen, Jefferson, Jalen Hurts. Trevor Lawrence to an extent, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Pick them up early, stick them in your roster, forget about them. And it's the moving pieces around those guys that you then need to look at for me. So I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So how do you value different positions? We spoke a little bit about it. Um, a lot of people now used to be running back heavy. We're now coming away from that one. Um, the position holds very small value at the minute in running back, it feels. Whereas previous years, it's felt extremely high. Yeah. Um, it, we, I think we're seeing a shift in dynamic within for the way fantasies both played and drafted and so on. Um, you, you said yourself, you'll wait till sort of round seven or eight before picking up a running back, right? Yeah. I So, and I think it comes down to like 
because people are drafting with long-term vision in mind, even Bijan, we know, so Bijan will most likely be an absolute superstar for five, six years. Um, Should be. If if I can take, I can quite realistically look and go, Jamar Chase, I think, will be a superstar for eight to ten. Even then, like, I think because we know the position is going to die so quickly, like, they're going to be gone in a blink of an eye. And people with the landscape currently, you don't want to take that running back that you're immediately going to start thinking about selling, uh, especially because the way that ADP and values are working at the moment means that like I can get my older running backs later on and and make up, you know, and actually perform better. I don't want to pay up for a younger running back when actually even my younger running back, the landscape feels awful at the moment beyond Bijan. Like there's questions about everyone. They're either, you're confident they're going to be, you know, a top five running back this season, but they're 26, 27, 28. You know, am I really going to pay up for CMC or Austin Eckler? Because, and Saquon Barkley, I'm not sure how long they're going to be going for. Or they've got questions about injury or competition, you know, Brees Hall, Kenny Walker, Yes. Um, Travis Etienne, even like Jameer Gibbs as well, that you're like, I'm I'm not 100% confident in them, so I don't want to pay up for one of those either elite older guys or high potential but low floor backs. Yep. So I'd rather, like, I, th- I think my the position I care the least about on my roster is my RB2 slot. Because I tend to take my RB1 as like a JK Dobbins in around the, around the fifth or sixth. RB two, like I'll, I'll, I always end up with James Connor in like the tenth, and I'll take James Connor, Miles Sanders, um, yep. Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, type. Yeah, Mark. Got, yeah, same as myself. I've got, yes. I've got a team which I'm quite happy with, which is like, uh, J.K. Dobbins, and then Brian Robinson, James Cook. David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, then I'm like, okay, there's an RB2 here. I don't know, and AJ Dillon, like... And it will differ each week. I don't know who it's going to be. Yep. But yeah, yep. yeah, it's going to be different each week, but, like, I know I have an RB2. I just have, like, five RB2 and a halves yep. that each week I'll play one of them and it will be fine. Um, so I do tend to devalue the position, but also I'm quite happy absolutely hammering it in the later rounds um, yep. because I know that someone is going to find relevancy just because of the situation. Um, and so I'm happy to like go really light on running back earlier on, but then absolutely hammer it when the draft gets to like round 16, 17 later on. Yeah, I will end late rounds with picking up backup receivers, Kenny Gainwell and players Boston's got and, and players like yeah. that because they have the shortest path to fantasy relevance um, yeah. at an incredibly highly volatile position. It feels as well more teams are heading towards committee by back type approaches, yeah. um, which will see them these guys get their weeks. Um, and whether you keep them for those weeks or whether you wait till Kenny Gainwell gets two touchdowns in a game and you shift him for something. Kenny yeah. Gainwell plus something might get you a little upgrade somewhere. So um, I will always be loading up late rounds with, with running back. So um, let's move 2023 startup drafts particularly. You've done a couple already. So... Uh, I mean, which players do you feel are currently overpriced, underpriced at the minute? Where where do you find value? Where are you high avoiding? Yeah, it's quite interesting because a, a few of these are obviously players that had sort of come up already. Um, and it, it comes down to who else is around there um, or what else could I be taking? Um, so I went and found one per position um, okay. that I'm not drafting and probably won't be drafting at all. Um, okay. So Desha- Deshaun Watson... Um, he is he's on my do not draft list for other reasons, but best not to talk about that. <laughs> I um, love the fact you have a do not draft list. I want to know who else is on it. It's mostly similar type situations. Okay, um, fair. <laughs> uh, it, it's just the nature of like who do you want to root for. But yeah. Deshaun Watson, I don't see the fantasy ceiling for him compared to Dak or Kyler, um, and especially after last season. So I'd rather take the two of them around him. Um, Christian McCaffrey, uh, Christian McCaffrey's ADP, uh, I went to look just beforehand, um, is at the 13 spot, so the beginning of the second round, uh, as the second running back drafted. Um, he's going to be amazing. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's going to be amazing. He is amazing. Yep. Um, I'm just not going to draft him there. I'm not going to look yep. at the other wide receivers that you can take him around. Like it, Even around later, you can take T Higgins 
or Amon Ross St. Brown or Chris Olave, um, there's no chance that I'm going to be taking a high-end running back over one of those high-end young wide receivers. Yep. So that um, Drake London uh, at wide receiver uh, is going uh, around the, the three, four turn. Uh, no, around like midway through the fourth round, uh, yep. ADB 45. I'm just not a huge Drake London guy, and he's going okay. around around the same time as Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Tyreek Hill, Stephon Diggs, and I can just never convince myself to take one of those, like to take Drake London over one of those surefire. So this is a situation where early on you've gained your longevity of receiver. I've got so now you're looking stuff. for return. Um, yeah, and it's, and it's just who's around there that like Drake London has upside, but I think Jahan Dotson has the same upside and I can get him four rounds later. Um, so I'm happy Ooh. waiting on that. <laughs> I'd be taking London over Dotson. I'd be taking London. I'd be taking London over Dotson, but if I can take London in the fourth or Dotson in the eighth, and take and you know I'm taking. So you can either take Dotson as your with my way of drafting my wide receiver four in the eighth, or London as my wide receiver three in the fourth, or yeah. wide receiver two in the fourth. Yeah, I'd much rather wait on players that I think have the same upside later on. Fair enough. Um, and the other one again is is relatively sit, uh, situational, um, which is T.J. Hawkinson. Uh, obviously, yep. had a really great year last year, but I have him in the same tier with um, George Kittle and Dallas Goddard and Pat Fryermuth at, at the end of that tier. And T.J. Hawkinson's ADP is just is only seven spots after Mark Andrews. Um, I don't tend to take early tight ends that often unless they're a huge value. Yeah, and correct. TJ Hawkinson would have to be in about the, let's say, eighth for me to really see okay. him as a value. So the yep. the ADP currently of about the fifth um, is no not, for you. Is not going to happen. Fine. What about your undervalued assets? Who are you sitting here going, oh, love that for him there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so uh, a couple of these are players that I'd spoken about already. Uh, so by position, yep. um, Kenny Pickett, uh, there's actually that group of quarterbacks after Daniel Jones. Um, where ADP doesn't think any quarterback's going to go until like the eighth or ninth. Oh, Sleeper's always done that. Yeah. So Sleeper's always done that and it's always weird. But uh, yep. I'm always, I, Kenny Pickett is at the top of the next tier for me. Um, so I'm quite happy taking him there. Yep. Um, JK Dobbins, I don't see a difference between uh, him and a lot of the running backs that are being taken three rounds above him. Um, okay especially next season. I'm, I'm going to be really big on him and redraft, especially. Um, so going into Dynasty, taking him at like the the back of the sixth, yeah. um, I'm going to do it every single time, especially, the again, the players that are around him is like DeAndre Swift. Um, I'm going to be taking Dobbins over. Uh, yeah. Deontay Johnson, this wasn't intentionally two Steelers, um, but Deontay Johnson's ADP currently um, yeah. is towards the back of the eighth, beginning of the ninth. Uh, young receiver who I think you can be quite happy with in a wide receiver three spot, especially in a PPR league, yeah. uh, with um, with Claypool having left um, and Alan Robinson being brought in to replace him. Uh, there's going to be targets plenty for him, uh, so I'm quite happy with him. And then the next one, uh, and this, the fact that Hawkinson was in my overpriced and now Evan Ingram is in my underpriced list tells you where I'm okay. normally taking normally taking but, tight ends. Yep. Uh, Evan Ingram, yeah, he's going up uh, after players like David and Joku, um, and yep. Evan, Evan Ingram has signed back with the Jags. He was tight end five last year. Um, yep. Yes, he's flashed before and never really proven on it. So I think people have a bit of a bad taste in the mouth with Ingram. But like, I can't see a justification for him to be going that late. And um, he's actually the last tight end. And there's not 12 tight ends in this tier, which is quite interesting, that he's the last tight end that I'm happy with as my starting tight end. Okay. Uh, and obviously, they're not being 12 means that I have to take a tight end before someone else in the league takes their first tight end. Um, just the way that the landscape is, but I'm perfectly happy taking him like the ninth or 10th as my tight end. One of my most undervalued assets right now in all of fantasy is a tight end. He's currently tight end 32 off the board. Okay. He's only had one year in football as well. So he's young and he's the leader 
on his NFL roster at his position. Is it K Dotton? It is. I I have a lot of K Dotton just because yeah. let, we haven't seen a huge amount from him in his rookie season, but no. he is the starter. He's the yes. starting tight end. Correct. So there's there's gonna be something there. So why he's going he, I have him as my tight end three in a lot of leagues because yeah, yep. he's gonna start a tight end. So there's gonna be something. Yeah, he played 16 games, scored 162 points. Yeah. Evan Ingram, you mentioned, his last year with the Giants, so ignore last year, he had a really good year. His last year with the Giants, he scored 167. Yeah. And that was his rookie season. And we've got a whole new offensive coordinator in there. We've got a new QB coming in there. I'm taking a shot on K-Dotton outperforming, well, not having 31 other tight ends outperform K-Dotton. Oh, yeah. This year, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. I think there's lots of young tight ends actually out there that you can make an argue to be like in the tight end 7 to 12 range. Like, if, if you told me that K. Dotton finishes tight end 8, yeah, I uh, believe you. If you tell me he's finished tight end 16, I'll take it. I've drafted him as tight end 32. <laughs> it's good return on investment, definitely. <laughs> and that's probably a 20-point differential. Between, oh, yeah. yeah. So, it's going to be nothing, is it? So, um, that's the point. Had... I was thinking about him as tight end seven, and I was like, tight end seven, I don't want the tight end seven. That's going to be crap anyway. <laughs> yeah. And we've had a question from Stacey. Stacey's a good listener of the show. So, Stacey says, what about Najee Harris? Is he undervalued? Um, yeah. I... Do you know the numbers? I've got some numbers here if you want it. He is running back 13 off the board at the minute. Uh, an ADP on sleeper of 38.7. So, late in that, early fourth, sorry. Yeah, I actually have traded for him in a couple of places. I yep. like Najee a lot this year. And I think, again, he's got he's got that stink to him because he underperformed a bit last year, uh, whereas he was amazing in his rookie season. He's not going to get back to his rookie season, but like he is one of the only backs in the NFL who we know yep. is going to see 300-plus touches. And, they, and yep. they actively want to do that, as opposed to, I guess we're going to have to keep giving it to this back because I don't know what else we can do. Um, So I think he's perfectly undervalued. With Najee, my exposure to him just comes down to where I'm drafting running backs. Um, Yeah. yeah. So I think he is undervalued. And like, if he's the dynasty RB13 currently, well, his floor each season to season is like RB9, maybe. Well, he's Um, he's had a down year last year, you said. He finished PPR's RB14. Yeah. So he's being taken where he was on a down year. He finished the year before that as RB3. Yeah, and he's going to get closer towards his rookie year, especially with an improved uh, offensive line. And we found out after a three-year window, he's only two years into his contract, so yeah, he'll have that three-year longevity. We found out after the season that he'd been playing with like bits of bone in his foot all season. Which, um, as someone who has played rugby with bits of bone in a in a fractured foot all over my all over my ankle, uh, it's not it's not easy and it's not fun. Um, nope. So I think he is going to improve next season when he all of his bones are in the right place. Najee is somebody we spoke about retooling that I am targeting on retooling this year. Coming off a bad year with no real reason. He can't be as bad this year because the offensive line's got to get better. Yeah. You had a rookie QB. That must settle down now because that rapport and relationship is only going to improve, you hope. Um, and if I can pick him up, what are you going to get him for? An early second or late first, potentially? Yep. I'm taking that if he's got the potential to turn me a top RB5 numbers on a retooling roster. Yeah, uh, I'm I, taking that all day long. I actually traded for Najee straight up for Brandon Ayuk recently um, yep. because I had uh, a lot of receivers on the team, needed running backs, needed younger running backs. And I thought Ayuk is incredibly talented, but like there's so many mouths to feed and we don't know who the quarterback Listen, is. He could be the fourth um, receiver on that team behind exactly. Kittle Debo yeah. and CMC. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he could be the fourth quarterback, uh, sorry, the fourth receiver on a team quarterbacked by either Mr. Irrelevant or someone we've never really seen throw before in Trey Lance. So like, or, or Sam, Sam Donald. Yeah. In which so, case you don't want it. <laughs> no, thank you. So yeah, I, I take Najee every single day of the week. There we go, Stacey. Hopefully that helps. But uh, yeah, we agree that Najee Harris is definitely undervalued right now. Um, Final couple of bits in. Somebody going into a startup, maybe new to Dynasty or not, what's the one piece of advice that you would say to give them and into a startup draft? What's the most important thing? I think the big thing for someone new going into a startup is to know that you cannot ruin your team uh, yeah. through a startup. Like, if you're in an active Dynasty league, you can fix anything. 
um, yeah. you can always make things work out. The thing that I would say is to make sure that you are not trying to fill your starting lineup and just drafting that way. You're not drafting a redraft team. So you don't just need to look at, okay, I've taken two running backs, two wide receivers and a quarterback. So now my next pick has to be a tight end because that spot's open. Um, you just got to look at sort of the value that you're getting and where you're getting it. Um, the other thing is, and this is kind of the theme of our whole show, uh, our, our whole, whole show today. Yep. Um, don't be scared of older players. Um, they're going to win no. the titles. I like older players. The thing for me, I would say to people going into startups is tiers. And I'm not going to say rankings. I'm going to say tiers. Rankings are great. Give you an order and, and bits and pieces. For me, that tier, and you mentioned it when you mentioned trading, trading up and down. If you can get one asset that is within that same tier and it means a differential of four or five spots, either way, trade up and get it, trade down and get it. Know where the drop-offs are and the differentials of tiers. Yeah. Um, it's quite a big thing to do. It's quite involved sometimes to generate in your own. Go find some rankings and just draw a line between the players where I'd like one of them more than them. If I get either of them, I'm quite happy. If I get any of them four, that's yep. about the same player. That's as simple and straightforward as it needs to be. Yes, Rich, Dynasty Island, fantastic guy, doesn't, fantasy pros, doesn't. You can find tiers and rankings and all that out there. Find a creator that you're happy with and use theirs if you, you know, you have a similar thought process and someone with a Murph does them here at Five Yards. Um, I know it's something myself and Hannah have spoke about trying to get out to in, in due course when we get our feet under the table. Um, it will certainly help. So for me, it's having tiers, not rankings, but tiers a little bit more specifically. So um, any questions on that, reach out and let us know. Uh, and finally, last thing I want to do, we ask a guest, Lewis, I don't know if you ever know, so we have a guest on, we get them to pose a question to our next guest. Now, I don't yep. know who the guest is going to be or what it's going to be about the show. So some of these might be a little bit random. Your question was posed by Conor McGill, Hot Seat Mags. Um, great guy. Love great that. guy. He is. Uh, he posed the following question to you. So what is the worst trade you have ever made in Dynasty? And with what you know now, what would you have done differently or how would you have changed it? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting one. Um, and it's funny because straight away my brain goes, no, tell them about your best trade instead. But that's not the question. Nope. Um, <laughs> so I traded um, a few years ago. This is the first one that comes to mind. I'm sure there's probably... Yeah, I know, right? I forget I'm uh, as well. Yeah. I traded away um, Dak Prescott, DeAndre Swift, and two twos uh, for... Carson Wentz and Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, yeah, it's stinky, isn't it? Um, so here's what I would do differently. First Have you been all, a look? Sorry, this is one thing. Just before you get into that, who the two twos became? Did you, uh, do no, did I, you go back? I didn't look into it. I didn't look into it. Go back. Um, when something like that, when a trade like that sticks in your mind, always make it, I have little notes of it and things like that. I always try and remember. And I'll go back. And not in rookie year, or in rookie year, maybe, and see who they are. But in two or three years from there, and see who those twos became. Yeah, if one of them made it, away. you've lost that draft already. But if one of them makes it relevant, if it was a fourth and they turned out to be Elijah Mitchell the other year, you've yeah. really lost that draft, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah I, I like that going back. And hey, it's just like, at the right time, it's the right thing to do. Hindsight yeah, is a wonderful thing, and we don't play this game with hindsight. Well, this is the thing. It, DeAndre Swift has exploded. It was his rookie year, and it exploded quite soon afterwards. So, like, obviously, Swift, with where he is now... Dak was probably on his injury as well that year, right? Dak was injured, so it was trading away... Dak so had zero return... To get... And unlikely picks... Yeah. For a starting QB and a locked-in RB1. Yeah. You've now given away a starting QB, a starting running back, two what could be potentially good picks, and got zero in return. And I've got and I've got <laughs> nothing because because uh, that flip flopped in a hurry, didn't it? <laughs> it didn't go great. Um, <laughs> my my thinking at the time, <laughs> first of all, I needed a quarterback, and also I uh, was very early into dynasty and looked at Zeke and went, you know, that's a star. I've been playing redraft and Zeke has been, you know, winning me championships for a while. Now, obviously, Zeke completely fell off. Um, so the the learning from it is not to not go and buy all the running backs. I'm fine doing that. It's not to send away rookie running backs to do it. Yeah. So that was what you've changed in your mindset from there. Yeah. Totally. Absolutely. Totally appreciate it. The one thing on trades I would say, and I think it's a lot more prevalent now than maybe it used to be, but 
people in your leagues have an opinion on every trade that goes down. My one bit of advice to anybody playing fantasy is don't care what people think. Yeah. Seriously. As we've just said there, at that time of you making that trade, you've got a starting QB and an RB1, and he was like, yeah. And somebody, yeah. somebody somewhere would have gone, well, why have you done that trade? Why have you given yeah. up Wentz and Zeke for that? Right? As we now know, it's flip-flop. Every trade today that looks abysmal in four years' time, three years' time, could look incredible. Um, yeah. So don't care what people think. Have your tears. Know who you want to get. Know who you want to play. And pay a price that you and you alone are prepared to pay for it or prepared to accept for it. And if you're yeah. happy with it, that is all that damn well matters. Don't care about other people. They'll moan about it like, hell, this isn't fair. That's not right. No, no, no. Come back to me in three years and go, that worked out right for me, didn't it? Yeah. Thanks for that. <laughs> Don't care what people say, honestly. It's a hard thing to do in the current time, but climate, but um, yeah. yeah. Don't let them get under your skin. They'll find a reason to tell you you've lost any trade that you've made. So make sure that it's you're happy. Dynasty with football. You can't lose a yeah. trade for 10 years. Then you can deem whether you've lost a trade when all the assets within that trade finish. Yeah, but but my, my opinion is always, if I'm going to make 50 trades in a season, I don't really care if I lose one of them. Because if no. I win it overall, then fine. Correct. Correct. And also, your I guess the success of a trade isn't deemed by how successful the players are. It's how, how your roster are. actually shaped up and whether you won a championship out of it and how exactly. much they contributed to it. So, exactly. yeah, don't care what people think is my honest opinion to you. I've done many trades that I've overpaid, but I wanted the guy. I've underpaid, but you know, they was offering them cheap because they didn't like them. Know your players. Yep. Know who's in your leagues. Know where their tiers and rankings are if they're content creators as well. We all put this stuff out here. Lewis has told you how he's drafting the first eight rounds of every startup he's in right now. Use it to your advantage if you can do. Use yeah. it. Get a copy of Lewis's ranks and then when you get to the back end of his tier and you know he wants that player in that tier, or well, suddenly he's going to play a little bit more than, than he is beforehand. So, yep. um, use it. So, Lewis, with that in mind, obviously we're going to ask you now to pose a question going forward. Now, we've got some great guests lined up. I'm not going to tell anybody who they are. You're not going to know who you're asking it to, but pose us a question for them. Uh, I wanted to ask, I was interested in, uh, and we spoke about a few of them today, the 2022 wide receiver class. Uh, <laughs> we speak a lot in Dynasty about kind of second-year wide receivers. I wanted to ask, which of the 2022 rookie class do you, do you think will be worth uh, the most more than they are now, and which okay. is which? Which value do you think will uh, completely plummet? Oh, and do you have an answer in mind yourself on that one? I am very interested to see. So Dotson, I mentioned before. I'm you did. Yeah. I'm very interested to see Dotson in a year's time, and I think people. There's. I mean, Jameson Williams is a rough person to talk about here. Yep. I think George Pickens could be the one. Jameson Williams, I think, will come. Jameson Williams is my wide receiver one coming into the draft. He was mine and as he's well. Had one target, I think, in the league. Yeah, scored a touchdown off it though. He did, but yeah, <laughs> I, I guess his points per target is way up there. Pretty good, <laughs> but yeah, I think Jameson Williams. People are going to be surprised at how long it takes after the suspension for him to become relevant if he ever does. This year is out. Yeah, I mean, if he is not sat at home studying every single in and out of that playbook. He should hit that building the day he's allowed back in it and know that playbook inside out. If there's Absolutely. any excuse for that, then to be ready his today. career is on the line. So, yeah. fine. Um, Lewis, anything else you want to put to us? Where people can find you? You're not doing a great deal at the minute, but you are doing bits for Fantasy King, Fantasy Sports. So, plug yeah, yourself. So. Uh, so you can find me on Twitter at lewiswoodff underscore UK. Um, there's going to be some cool things coming up relatively soon. Um, so yeah, just keep an eye out for, for when things ramp up a little bit going forwards. Uh, and then also just to say thank you so much for having me on. It's been, been a great way to spend the evening. It's been a pleasure, Lewis. Thanks for, for coming on. Uh, I believe Hannah's back next week. So hopefully me and Hannah can get together again. It's been a couple of weeks since we've, we've both been here. Um, and again, guys, um, enjoy your week any questions get them over to us and we will have a good guest lined up for you next week until then keep rushing
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.